1: Can you see it? Did you know check but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot. He scores! Moments notice. Adam's Lee.
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah.
3: I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: Just wave the guy and get
2: Demko involved. I'm one of them in and down Wow. Really? We should do a radio show together.
0: <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
1: Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores!
0: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks over at Montana's. We've talked about them before. Uh, head over to Montana's. They're bringing back the viewing party, daily deals. We're going to have some new ones to announce soon. Monday, half-price wings. Tuesday, kids eat for $2. Wednesday, all-you-can-eat ribs. And Thursday and every day, uh, drink specials over at Montana's. Head on over to one of their seven BC locations, Fort St. John, Kelowna, Langley, Nanaimo, Prince George, Tawasson, and, of course, Victoria. Be sure to check them out. Montana's. Uh, lots of locations for you to check out uh, over at Montana's. My name is David Guzzrelli, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer here on the Canucks Conversation is Alex Allard. Uh, He is back behind the controls. And Chris, we've got a lot to get to today. But before we get to anything, because as everybody knows, Jim Rutherford, Canucks president, spoke today, Uh, lots to get to. Um, It sucks that our show today can't just be about Gino Ojick's legacy in Vancouver. Um, over the weekend, as everybody knows by now, um, Gino Ojick passed away at the age of 52. Uh, big loss for the Canucks alumni, just the city as a whole, the indigenous community, everybody. Like, it, Gino, the thing about Gino was that everybody seems to have a story about how Gino impacted them whether it just be as simple as hey I watched him on TV uh I was at the Coliseum and felt the chills down my spine when we started chanting Gino because there was a questionable hit in the corner while Gino's even sitting on the bench and that happened um that type of thing but a a lot of people have memories of Gino Ojik, and I I genuinely wish that our show today could just be about Gino Ojik. um Honestly, it sucks that we've talked about the Rutherford press conference. We will. We'll get to it in a sec, but I want to start um, right off the top. Genologic is what I want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, all the
2: stories about Geno are followed by somebody talking about a smile, and that's the exact same story that I have about Geno. Listen, Geno was at... I don't want to say every home game, uh, it but, was almost every home. game. Uh, I would say like, that's the thing. He might've missed one or two here, but I can remember like, I I just saw him two weeks ago in, in the elevator. And you know, it was, this, it's a story where it made everyone smile, where it's like, we're all waiting for the elevator after the game, all the media members and Gino's there and he, and he's laughing. and He's like, you know, we're all about to like get in at the same time. And he looks and it's pretty crowded. He's like, ah, you guys are more important than me.
1: And it's just like <laughs> throws us
2: through. And it's just like, you know, um, I wasn't alive for the, the heyday of when, you know, Gino was doing what he was doing on the ice, but you just watch some of these videos of like the, the Coliseum reacting Mm -hmm. and some of these incredible stories about a guy who listen, he fought very hard for a long time. And uh, it's a very unfortunate situation to to lose anybody. Um, But I tell you what, this, this guy, like when you look at life and you're, and you're gone, like, you look back at the legacy of a person, and, and this guy's legacy is incredible. What he means to a lot of people, whether it be in the indigenous community or just Canucks fans or the hockey world, everything. Like, you, you're not going to hear a bad word about Gino Odrick, um, um, unless you fought him, unless you fought Gino, then maybe oh, well,
0: Ty Domi, maybe. but even then, yeah, you know, like, like his, a lot of these guys are coming out and yeah. saying, you know, all the respect in the world for Gino. So even the guys that fought him, you, you see these videos, you saw that brawl against St. Louis where his shirt comes off. Like, you don't think those guys had respect for what Gino was doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like even the guys that fought him have respect for Gino Odrick, the person. So I've, I've been like, I've been at, at
2: Rogers Arena for some pretty incredible moments. Uh, I was there for Game 7 when the Canucks beat the Blackhawks. That was the loudest I think I've ever heard the arena, obviously. The second loudest I've ever heard at Rogers Arena was, and this was like 2000, man, this is probably like 2011, 2012, 13. It's somewhere in that range where I wasn't covering the team yet. I was still just a fan. I'm, I'm there at a jersey. I'm drinking. I'm having a good time. And it was the first game where Gino came back to Rogers Arena and just kind of like waved at fans after he was going through uh, some treatment is 10 years ago, right? There's the first time he was back at Rogers arena and they showed him up on the jumbotron and that rivaled how loud it was in game seven. When the Canucks slayed the dragon, that arena went wild. What he meant to so many fans. Um. So yeah, just a horrific loss. And you, you know, we're all going to miss him. Just smiling at uh, like, I, I didn't, I never talked to him for a long time, but it was just like, you always saw him and he just like made you happy. So yeah. Like that, it's a it's a huge loss for the Canucks community, uh, hockey community, everybody. So unfortunate news to start off the show. But I talked to
0: Gino once. And I'll tell you what it was. Um, <laughs> so we're at the buffet table um, ahead of uh, ahead of a game, right? And I'm I'm kind of zipping around before a game. I'm like buzzing around, and it was similar to the "you're more important than me" comment that uh, that he made about the elevator to you. Um, <laughs> We're at the buffet table and we kind of arrive at the table at the same time and I was like, Oh, after you like I was like, Go ahead. Like I wasn't in that much of a rush. Um, he was like, No, you need it more than I do. And <laughs> I was like, All right, that was probably a comment about uh me being a little smaller than he is. Yeah, he probably thought you're in
2: puberty still. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, he was like he was like, You need it more than I do. And he was right, it was meatloaf. I loaded up on the meatloaf that yeah. night. But that was like my one conversation with Gino, um, was that and I just kinda laughed at that comment and it was you know, a great memory, and again, like like you, um, wasn't alive when he was playing, but everybody knows his impact in the city. And I just want to quickly plug uh, Stanch. Wyatt wrote uh, a really fantastic article over at CanucksArmy.com. dot com. Yeah, seen some uh, stuff
2: in the comments here as well. Sean comes in says mm-hmm. he was such a nice guy off the ice and on the ice, he was a monster, so entertaining. Um, so yeah, there, there's you're gonna see a ton of stuff out there. Uh, I know the province has some stuff. The athletic, obviously, Canucks Army. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, For stories about Gino, it's it's a huge loss for the organization, and like I said, the hockey world in general. And uh, yeah, he'll be missed. Absolutely, he'll be missed.
0: Yeah. And look, there's no easy way to pivot from that um, onto what we have to talk about. We'll keep this part quick. uh, The road trip. Yeah. Not much to say. One thing I want to start with, and it's a better transition to the road trip uh, from talking about Gino, uh, Ethan Bear. Scoring that goal mm-hmm. um, in the game against his former team, the Carolina Hurricanes. Talking post game um, about how you know maybe Gino was with them uh, on that shot and on that goal. And he talked about Gino's impact, like when Carolina would visit and Bear was still in um, in Carolina when they would visit Vancouver. Gino would talk about how he hoped the Canucks would get him and that type of thing. And sure enough, Ethan Bears now a Canuck and you know scores a goal last night, just you know moments after um, Gino's passing was announced.
2: Yeah. And we'll continue to remember, Gino, but you're right. Let's, let's yeah, transition. Yep. We'll, sh- we'll transition here um, into the Canucks, talking about the road trip. Hard turn. We're going to take it. Uh, Canucks won 4 and 0 on the most recent road trip. They had that shootout win against Carolina, as you mentioned, on Sunday after regulation losses to Florida, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg. I tell you, quads, right in this outline yesterday as the game was going on, I was probably in the camp of talking about this team going 0-5-0 on this trip. Uh, it looked like the Canucks were going to lose this game and, on Sunday. And I mean, this road trip was the one that we've talked about for a long time. Of It feels like this is going to help cement some decisions of this team moving forward. And obviously, the road trip that happened with this team, it was difficult, right? And it lived up to the expectations. Florida, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, uh, Carolina. The Canucks get one win out of there. And then today, obviously, we talked to Jim Rutherford. I think we're going to spend a bulk of the episode That's here. Honestly, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the road trip here. I think <laughs> they lost the way that we <laughs> talked about it was well, well, the way that we kind of saw it happen. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff that kind of I do want to bring up for storylines, and we'll touch on this more with the Rutherford stuff, but the rumors swirling around a coaching change and the Rick Tockett conversation, you see it on a hockey night in Canada. Uh, you know, it's a tough spot for Bruce Boudreaux to be in right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild that it just feels like the what you're waiting for. Like I, I wanted to ask a question like, is a coaching change coming? That's not the question anymore. It's how quickly is the coaching change coming? Because they're waiting for Rick Tockett to like get his four (laughs) weeks. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're waiting for him to get out. Is it TNT? Yes.
0: They're waiting for him to get out of TNT for, okay. We deal like it's wild. So here's the thing is when Jim Rutherford, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about Rutherford's comments today. Um, but when Jim Rutherford was asked about the coaching change, right? Like, what he said, and, and he was asked, I think it was Farhan, Farhan Lalji of TSN, that by name asked him about the Rick Tocket rumors, right? Because obviously, obviously, as you kind of mentioned, uh, Dreger, Dollywall, Friedman, everybody in their mother and their dog uh, sounds like they're saying that Rick Tockett is going to be the next head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. All of this, of course, as you mentioned, while Bruce Boudreau is still behind the bench. Like Those reports came out during a game that Bruce Boudreau was coaching, and um I have to talk more to more with Frank about this, but I just saw it on Twitter that someone wrote uh, that Frank said that he thinks Tocket is already building out his staff, so there might just be more than Bruce that gets let go. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I got to talk to Frank about that before I you know run with it or anything. But basically, what I want to say is he explicitly asked about Rick Tocket, and basically what Rutherford said was, Bruce is the coach right now. Yeah. And then he was asked if he has interviewed anybody for Bruce's position he said going back months i've been having conversations Interview is not the right yeah conversation. he's had yes. talks and, with and, mm-hmm. and and he did say he did say that um also th- that it's if we make a coaching change he didn't say like hey we're making coaching change i need you he's getting the feelers out there interview you're right isn't the right word it's not an it's not a proper search that they're filling a vacant position but nonetheless he said it's gone back a couple of months that he's had conversations
2: yes. with with you know potential coaches. That was the question. The question was asked about potential replacements. Yes. The answer to the question about replacements was it's been going on for multiple months.
0: Yeah, and, and it was Bruce is it's, our coach right now, which, yeah. yes, that is a statement of fact. No, it, it totally isn't. It's yeah. like,
2: man, the, uh, the situation for Boudreaux has to just be horrendous right now, right? Yeah. Coming into work every day, knowing that you're not going to be there. Very much longer. It's it's so strange. And Sean brings it up. Yeah, Talkit uh, and Gonchar. Is yeah, Sergey
0: Gonchar got thrown around on the Merrick show today. And yeah. I think 32 thoughts probably as well. I think Friedman was the one that kind of put it out there that uh, he's not... I think he said he's not sure if it's going to be an assistant coach or an advisor. Mm. Um, You know, like the Sidians, Komasarik, all those guys that they have, Michael Samuelson. Um, But he thinks Sergey Gonchar uh, could be joining the Canucks. Which is a lot... Is super exciting 10, 15 years ago, if you say that sentence.
2: Yeah, hard. I think we should get into... What I think was the biggest takeaway and shout out to the media member that asked the great question.
0: Oh boy, here we go.
2: Okay. Do we have it? Alex has it now. Okay. In, in we're the, moving. In we're audio.
0: moving officially to the Jim Rutherford speak section. Yeah, of the let's, show.
2: let's get to that because I think, listen, you know, I, I had all this stuff written in the outline for the road trip. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't I mean, matter. The president of hockey operations came out and spoke today. So I, I want to play the audio. I think, uh, I think Alex is all set there for it. Well, he's got this, get those out of there. Alex, <laughs> you don't need the stats from the road trip. Alex is playing around. All right. I want to hear the, the, the Jim Rutherford The media answer. member that asked this. I wouldn't say handsome, but... Uh,
0: <laughs> you were patting, patting this media I, member I, on the back quite a bit.
2: I included the question um, in the audio here so you can hear Rutherford's answer to the question. Let's, let's play it, and then let's just work off of it. So, Alex, go ahead and run uh, Retool versus Rebuild if you got it all set there. Uh, Jim, I think coming into the season the expectations were for this team to get into the playoffs this Is what we kind of heard up to this point. We heard about building and building and building Has that plan changed quite a bit? And Is this team still building or looking towards a rebuild when you talk about these major surgeries?
1: We're not looking towards a rebuild. I'd rather call it a retool My preference is when we make these deals is not necessarily for draft picks that may come in and help the team you know, four years from now, five years from now, I'd prefer to get younger NHL players that maybe didn't work out in their entry level contract and, you know, bring them in, give them a second chance. We'll still try to acquire some draft picks. But we have to we have to go about this in a way that that it's not a long term rebuild. Okay? And I think we can do that. The possibilities are out there. Now you get some of these players that have been two years in the league and haven't uh, met their expectations. You know they may not turn out either. You know there's a risk in that, but it's no different than the draft pick that you take that you find out three years from now that they didn't develop properly. So that's kind of the direction we'd like to go. So it'll be a mix of draft picks and hopefully younger. NHL, guys that have NHL
2: experience. So here's where I'm going to start with that. Sure.
1: I got some stuff. There's a
2: massive difference between getting a 22-year-old who needs a second chance and an 18-year-old draft pick. And the the massive difference to me is the value that you should have on that player compared to an 18-year-old is completely different. There's going to be views from organizations on first-round picks, second-round picks, players that aren't working out in your prospect system that have an incredibly higher amount of value than if you trade for a 23, 24 year old guy who isn't working out at the NHL with your team or the team that he was on before he got traded. There is a massive difference in value there. And if you're talking about the difference between a retool and a rebuild, that's the two spots that I look at. And we've heard this now for a long time from Rutherford, from Alvin of in my eyes, retool is attached to adding NHL ready players right now to get your team better next season, the year after that. Rebuild is taking a real step back, getting the 18, 19 year old system to kind of, you know, be revamped with this Canucks organization because it's so it's so far behind. I, I find it so frustrating for Canucks fans or for people who follow this team to hear Jim Rutherford today come out and talk about prospect pool being lacking like it's not it's not a good prospect pool we've seen it be bottom five in the nhl for a few years now and it's not like it's massively improving though i do have some prospect stuff later that's exciting but that's the thing is you can't retool a prospect pool you need to rebuild a prospect pool and to get an nhl team and i thought harman asked a great question about this as well was that the teams that are able to initiate a retool instead of a rebuild have cap space. They have prospects already. Like, think of it. Think of the LA Kings right now. The LA King, the LA Kings rebuilt. Now they're in a position to retool, right? Like trading for Kevin Fiala, that's a retool move in my eyes. Going in the direction of adding NHL talent, that's retool things. Rebuilding is, listen, taking step backs. and We're not going to be as good. And, like, I have to give Rutherford props because he spoke for a long time, okay? Nearly a full hour with the media. He, you know, the PR staff tried to shut it down. Rutherford's like, no, I, wa- I want to answer all the questions. And he did. But Rutherford isn't going to purloin the fan base with his comments. And right now, at this point, the comments, they don't mean, do they mean much, right? Like, we just want to see action on this team. And the comments about a retool instead of a rebuild... To me, are incredibly daunting. When a lot of the stuff that we've heard over the past you know year and a bit that they that this management group has been in place, some of it was like very, it like it was very appealing to hear this organization was going to go in certain directions. We haven't seen that direction be taken even a step down that path yet. We've seen money be put back into JT Miller. We've been we've seen money put into Ilya Mikheyev. We haven't seen really a step back of seeing what the prospect pool can get better at. They've given up a second-round pick. We've seen an accidental step back. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like the step they're being put. They didn't take a step. They were pushed down that path. And to his credit, Jim Rutherford said, I'm disappointed in the job I've done so far, and I think a lot of Canucks fans would agree with that. Yeah. And, And I give Jim credit for saying that. Like In a Canadian market, he knows that's going to be um, that's going to be heavily scrutinized. Another quote that people picked up on. Uh, this was mentioned in the chat a few times. Uh, the I thought we were tanking. Answer. Also followed up by either a little bit uh, of a chuckle, but also like he. Hang on a sec. Yep. Followed up by either a intentional um, smoke screen either that or a fundamental misunderstanding and misconception of what tanking is because he asked if they would tank said, I already thought we were tanking. We're at the bottom of the standings. Um, I'm never going to tell a coach or a player not to, uh, not to to play hard or whatever. Um, And then I think it was Farhan that followed that up and was like, that's not what tanking is. And basically was like, yeah, but you can make decisions. And he kind of said at that point, he was like, we can make decisions like that. So he didn't, um, and that's the thing about tanking is, yeah, you're not you're never telling your players go out and lose. Yeah,
2: but, but you are trading putting, your leading scorer for assets. And that's the thing that's what management can do to get you into a better position for it is to trade away the pieces that are going to help you win. Bo Horvat helps you win. He's going to help a playoff team win this year. He's going to help them in the playoffs. That's why I think with Kuzmenko too. And we heard the talk about Kuzmenko's, The conversations have already started about re-signing him. He's a player who helps you win. He's going to put up points. He's going to help you win. So it's, it, there are moves for this team to get into a spot to even be tanking more than they accidentally have been, which is like, for a lot of people, it should be exciting because that moving in towards at least committing from a management perspective on tanking is huge. That's what Canucks fans want. They want to see this team rebuild and maybe you don't want to see this team lose, but tanking helps you actually not necessarily rebuild. Like, it's not going to force management to completely rebuild if they have a bad season this year, but it absolutely pushes them in that direction a little bit to consider maybe seeing some positive things coming out of this for this team down the road. If you start to lose and it's just like the way they've been losing sets them up so well to actually do it, that it's just like this door is wide open to actually rebuild. And I think that's the worst part was hearing the word retool because this, this fan base, this organization, like it's, it's 10 years, man. Like The Canucks could have tried to retool in like 2013. And they did, and it didn't work. And then they tried again in 2016. then they tried again in 2020. And then in 21, like retooling doesn't work, man. Like you, this is, I don't know. There's just such a, a history of seeing how rebuilds can work for a team and get them back to a playoff team that's going to be there year after year after year instead of what retooling looks like when you're a team that needs a rebuild where – You might have a chance at the playoffs. You might have... It's just... Canucks fans are too engaged, care too much about this team to put them through what they're going through of retooling. And it's just... That's the word... That's the worst word for Vancouver fans to hear. And it was heard multiple times today from Jim Rutherford. I give him props for standing up there and answering every question or sitting up there. He answered every question. He was very honest about it. I give him 100% props for how he... Addressed, himself. yeah, and how we how we spoke with media, how we you know spent extra time, told the PR staff, no, don't shut it down, let me keep going, answer yeah, all they these said
0: questions, a couple more questions, and he said no, no,
2: no, he said yeah, no, like I have time for all the questions, and that was great. Give him absolute props for that, and give him props for being honest. But it felt like his honest answers still, and you give a guy in this position, you say like to hear him be honest was great. That's what a lot of people wanted, like want to hear honesty. Because I think now from the takeaway from this, you can say, okay, this team isn't going to rebuild. It's like they aren't. He was honest. Jim Rutherford's very honest. They're not going to rebuild. They're going to try and retool. Like adding these young players is, adding young NHL players instead is, it's it's a, like, it is. We all know what we're in for now. This was like in steps of, of fans understanding a plan for this team moving forward. You know now, like you know 100%. It, they're not competing this season. Sounds like they won't be competing next season, but it sounds like they're going to go for it the year after that. Because when Grant asked him about a timeline, he said three years, yeah, or quicker than that. Yeah. So you're not in a four or five year rebuild. Or even rebuilds now are only two, three, four years in that range. They're not. They're, they're not going to add these draft picks. They want these 21-year-old, 20-year-old players.
3: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: yeah it sucks it sucks to hear the word retool. i okay and i know people
0: like online in the chat everywhere retool is the worst word to hear okay i get it but i also and david funny enough his name's david said why people focus so much on the semantics makes no sense to me big changes are coming to this team that's clear as day now rutherford spoke about this this idea of what, what what needs rebuilding, right? And he basically said, we have contracts that, you know, suck, basically, um, that we can't get rid of, that we'd like to get rid of. I talked about buyouts, that sort of stuff. He talked about this team needs cap space. We're not going to get into the whole, well, why'd you sign Ilya McKay Why'd you do this, that, that, whatever. My point here is that he talked about the core not needing any changes. Like he said, our core isn't the problem. It's the other players around the well, core. He said and that- he said the core might not be off limits, right? And, and we've heard reports that Pedersen's the only one that's actually off limits, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he, he did give a vote of confidence for this core. So with all that in mind, and again, the part about um, not all of the core is going to be staying type of deal, right? Focusing in on that... I'm looking at this and saying well this actually sounds a lot like a rebuild now
2: what no because actually what he said do, was we could like we could move core players out is his quote he also said yes. that some decisions will be popular and some won't because they're no. going what they're going to do and in that quote he mentioned moving on for a young center and a young right shot defenseman so yes certain players from the core are going to be getting moved out but at the same time I ask you this quads name me the players of this core then Name name the players of this core that so maybe Rutherford's. I talking thought
0: about here. this because I went back and I tried to remember who they said when they were asked explicitly this past off season who their core is. I believe Alvin said everybody but Brock Besser, everybody that you would think like the Demko, the Hughes, um, Pedersen, Horvat, Miller. He mentioned, um, and I believe that was it. Demko probably didn't I say Demko? Sorry, I might have missed. Whatever, it. regardless. Um, those are who he said, and I don't think he mentioned Brock Besser no. uh, as part of that core. So I would say those guys. Like, I would say those guys are the core players. Now, who's getting moved from that? Okay, well, Bo. There's the easy one, right? Bo is probably getting moved. So my point is that might be the extent of what this team does in reshaping their core. Bo's a big part of the core. Like, he's a massive part of the core. And Rutherford also didn't um, didn't shut down the idea of shutting down Thatcher Demko for the year. He said, obviously, Demko's going to want to play, but he said, I haven't really thought about it in that sense. And he just basically said, we're not going to be rushing him back. We want to make sure he's 110% when he comes back. But I want to focus back on this here, Chris, with the whole idea of retool versus rebuild. Now, I think the big difference comes with what Rutherford said he wants to target. Now, in a rebuild, you're acquiring draft picks because as a lot of people have already pointed out, when you go get draft picks as your main main thing that you're targeting in these trades first of all teams have more of them than young prospects that you you know want right like think about it like a roster player like what contending team is saying okay here's a roster player for luke shen you know what i mean like i know it's it's such
2: a small amount of teams that are like oh we have a third line center that we believe in to be a really good nhl player for years to come but we'll do we'll do it for the upgrade right now totally smart nhl teams won't do that yep Smart NHL teams won't move on from a guy who's playing on their fourth line, but they expect to be a top six guy. Why would they move on from him unless they're really, and that's what I'm thinking, there's probably like three to five teams this year that are like all out, all out for winning the cup this year. Everything. Future doesn't matter. Next year doesn't matter. We want to win the cup this year. There's like maybe three to five teams in that spot. How many of those three to five teams are in a spot of their cycle where they have 20 to 22-year-old Centers and right shot defensemen coming up into the system that they're willing to move on from. I, I can't see sure. it. Like it. It totally the limits your here, teams that you can
0: trade with. It, it needs absolutely does. It's a perfect does. scenario, and there's just not perfect scenarios in the cap world for this Canucks team. Yeah. So, my, my point here, Chris, is just that that's where I think the big difference is between the rebuild and the retool talk. The, the the point is is that change is coming. Now, we turn to the future and get ready to criticize or, you know, praise, like you said, some moves will be popular, some won't, mm-hmm. the moves that they make to make these changes, right? Like now it shifts to that. Rutherford didn't come out and say, you know, this team's great, we're going to keep doubling down on everything. He did kind of say that about the core, let's, but he let's also pull didn't the shut quote down. about
2: surgery then, minor versus major surgery because I think this speaks to what you're talking about there.
0: We got a clip of it or are you We reading got it? we have okay.
2: the 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 Okay, you want me to read it? Yeah, you go. You're, okay. you're, you're. I keep cutting you off here. When Sorry, when so I bad.
0: came here, this is Rutherford. When I came here, I knew it was going to be a big challenge. I knew we were going to have to make minor surgery. Nice analogy. Have I changed my position? Yeah, we have to make major surgery. Uh, that Canucks president, Jim Rutherford. Okay, so my point, Chris, is just that I think the whole rebuild, retool thing is a bit, you know. Like, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't spend 30 minutes talking about, oh, man, they said the word retool. Like, I understand it pisses people off. I totally get it, and I totally understand that the biggest difference is that they are going to target young players rather than draft picks. And, again, what I was trying to say is that if you acquire draft picks, you are able to flip those for young players. Totally, Like, draft capital is very valuable around the league. The Montreal Canadiens, they were rebuilding. They went and flipped a first and a third for Kirby Dock. A player who, you know, who, who did the Habs have that they traded? Um, Tyler Toffoli, okay? You cannot get Kirby Dock, a player that the Habs liked, has already set a career high in points this season with Montreal. You cannot get that player if you approach the Chicago Blackhawks at the deadline and say, hey, we have Tyler Toffoli. Does that interest you? No, it does not. You're not able to get Kirby Dock if you don't make that trade to with Tyler Toffoli to a contender for draft capital, in return, my point here, Chris, is that I understand people are people are upset that the word retool was used. My main point is that we need to actually pay attention and talk about. I, I'm tired of just you know coming here saying, "Oh, they need to rebuild. They need to rebuild." We need to talk about why what they're saying is what 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 they're saying is going to actually mean. And I think I just laid it out. Like what I'm trying to say is that right now this team has decided that they are going to retool. I think what they're... And again, he didn't close the door on acquiring draft picks, right? No, he but said we both, yeah. One savvy trade. One savvy trade where you go get a first and a prospect you like. You can have it both ways. You can have it both ways. for With a Bull Horvat trade, let's use that as the example. Okay. One savvy trade where you get a first-round pick... Um, and, and, and again, I don't think the team's at this stage, but if they think they're in this retool stage, they can still acquire draft picks and then flip those for prospects that they like. They can do that if they want to. I'm not here to say that it's, it's right or wrong. I'm of the opinion that they need a, they need a proper rebuild, but. They can still pull this off. They can still do that. I don't think it's going to be the best way to to operate. As I just said, draft picks are king in this league, right? And you can, you can make moves. Like I just outlined with the Montreal Canadians that, um you know, play to your idea of a ritual. Like I said, the the Habs wouldn't have been able to get Kirby Doc if they didn't at first make trades to acquire more draft capital as a rebuilding team, right? So again, like uh, yeah, at this deadline, Chris, I would like to see the Canucks go out and get a bunch of draft picks, and then hey, me, I would personally, I would like to see that, and then I would like to see them use that draft capital to draft players at the draft. That's my opinion. But this team can still make trades for draft picks at the deadline and go flip them all at the draft. I know people would have a. Field day over it, but what if you're flipping those for players that you believe in that come in and have career years and then they're now part of your core for a long time? Again, I don't think the Canucks are at that stage yet. I want to rebuild, but I'm saying this team can still pull this off. Like they can go out and do that. What I am going to criticize, and again, he didn't close the door on getting draft picks. I am going to criticize the idea of, well, we just want we want young players. Like that's the main pieces that we want. Yeah, I think that's a flawed strategy because I am not going to repeat myself. As I just said, um, It's a riskier strategy. It is. It's dude. much riskier. It's, it's much riskier. It's incredibly risky because the, the way
2: that I heard some of the things today from Rutherford was like guys that aren't working on teams and need a second chance. Jack has entered the that, chat. I know, but like to a higher level is like Kirby Doc. You bring up that's a really good example, I think, to actually work with here, who is twenty-one years old. Like that's the type of player the Canucks would target, right? You'd like to see Kirby Doc as, as your third line center for the future for sure. First and the even, third, they had to give up. Yeah, for him. they gave up a 13th overall pick and the 66th pick to get him. That's the key. It's the picks. It's the picks. It's the currency of the NHL. You need to find the balance between currency between draft picks and cap space. And it's about it's like in chess when you, like when I, if you're, I don't play chess, but I, the part that I understand about it is you don't just like move a, a, a piece. You move the piece and you think, okay, where are they going to move? How does this affect it? How does this affect? That's the way it, it, everything's going to be connected with this team in a rebuild. And I think a retool, it's not like everything's connected. A retool is to me what we've heard from Patrick Galvin about building and building and building. A retool is getting better right now, getting better in the short term, and maybe it helps you in the long term, right? Like, you know, I, I think there's going to be a very big difference. It, a retool move would be moving Luke Shen for, I don't know, insert fourth line winger here. A retool was, you know, trading for Tyler Mott. Like that was a retool move. He he helps his team long term, longer term than uh, they trade Thomas Vanek for him, right? Like that, that helped the team in a retool move, but that wasn't a rebuilt move. Instead, if you would have got a fourth round pick, that player would have be like 20 years old right now. And, you know, maybe be excited about him a little bit because he's playing good in the NCAA or in his, you know, in his third SHL season. Now he's scoring goals or maybe he's turning into someone like Linus Carlson or even better like that's those are rebuilding moves that you can see actually work in the long term where what's. Like, a retool move to me was, in a smaller degree, because it's not like the Horvat return is going to get you Tyler Mott. But if that was a retool move, what's Tyler Mott doing for the organization now? What's he doing for the Canucks now? Nothing. Which is Nothing. why they traded him for a fourth-round pick. They have a fourth-round pick coming. So I guess, like, yeah, there is something there. There's eventually. one rebuilding move.
0: Yeah. But that's not enough, is, is what you're about to say, right? Yeah. It is, like, you can't just trade your bottom six forwards for third and fourth round picks and say look guys we did it the rebuild now over. that I
2: say it a lot actually and it's like that is a re uh, it, it worked as long as to a rebuild move action I think because now you yeah. have this fourth round pick actually. One, so uh, that was a horrible example that's, like you, it, making that, that a jig, that's like
0: you building a jigsaw puzzle of the Stanley yeah. Cup and you put in one piece and you said guys we did it we found the bottom left corner we're done
2: yeah but, I mean, at least that uh, that that one actually has worked out. Thomas Vanek is going to turn into a fourth-round pick. You're in, turning uh, all
0: red because you just contradicted yourself. I know. But, well, but it, it was a good example. It, like, it worked,
2: in my, it worked <laughs> in my brain leading up to it. That's why I say I open up my mouth, I start talking, and then uh, maybe the I'm— quote of the day, folks, is it's like playing chess. I don't play chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the truth. Really. Um, Let's there was get back on track. One here. more other. Let's bring up this one. Um, the Miller contract. Mm-hmm. And the, we have a tweet here from Thomas Dantz of the quote, because the Miller contract is one to look at. When you hear Jim Rutherford talk about how difficult it is to deal with cap space, he says in this quote, "The cap is going up and up. The cap is going to be ninety or ninety-five million dollars. That contract isn't going to affect what the Canucks do down the road."
0: <laughs> file that one away. Oh, that's what transfer. wrote. Yeah, file I mean, this one away.
2: He, okay, I understand that, where
0: he's coming like, from. The,
2: the quote, I guess, could be like taken out of context a little bit because I'm sure there was, more, there was more in the paragraph about it and there was more about how the question he was answering. Yeah. But that direct quote is completely incorrect. The contract <laughs> is absolutely going to affect what, what the Canucks means, do down the road. Yeah,
0: but what he means is it's not going to be like OEL right now. How OEL right, right now You're is right. affecting what
2: the Canucks are able to do. Sure, but four years from now... Five years from now, six years from now, seven years from now, yeah. absolutely that contract is going to affect what the Canucks do down the road. I, if, if the cap goes up to $105 million in six years, yeah. the Miller contract is still going so to be very
0: impactful for what you can do. Devil's advocate. Every team has a bad contract on the books. There's at least one or two bad contracts. Not the Canucks. They have a bunch. No, the Canucks have like eight. But yeah, they have too many to fill out their roster. Okay. What I'm trying to say here is every team has a bad one or two contracts. Right now, with all the money expiring, yeah, maybe Miller's is going to be the bad contract. And it's not really going to affect what the Canucks do too much. Because it's just one bad contract. And it's like, all right. Like, you look at every other team. Every contending team has a bad contract. And... It's not affecting what they're able to do, right? And I think that's what he's trying to say. Now, <laughs> the interesting part will be if they add more of these, that they say, well, right. this one wasn't going to be a problem, but now we have three of them, and now it is a problem. Like, in a vacuum, $3 million to Jay Beagle to be the best penalty killer in the league probably isn't going to affect what you do too much, but couple it with, okay, we also paid Antoine Roussel, we also paid Brandon Sutter, we also paid Louis Erickson, and you get the Jim Benning-Era Canucks.
2: And then you have look what the, that led to in a trade. Now you have OELs. Like that,
0: now you have OEL. Yes. That, that's
2: the opposite of my forty chess Whoa. thing that I just said about Tyler Mott. But
0: <laughs> macaroni and cheese, baby.
2: That is that is the thing. It's like, yeah, the you know, JT Miller's producing even at what he's at right now. And you look, it's like he there's a chance that JT Miller gets better next season in, in like the scope of hockey, right? Like as an offensive and defensively offensively, maybe not. Defensively, you sure hope so. Like <laughs> He could be better next season. Is he going to be better at 34? Is he going to be better at 36? I see it very hard for that to be possible. So to say that that's not going to affect $8 million, like it is going to affect what happens. It is. It's just not
0: going to, it's not going to be this, you know, it's not going to have. And then on
2: top of that, it's like, okay, there was talk of buyouts today. Mm -hmm. You buy out Oliver Ekman Larson harm said this on the show on Friday. Listen, Quads, you're a young kid. You know, Gino Ojek, wondering if you're still going through puberty or not. But you're going to be 30 years old if they buy out OEL. You're going to be 30. I turned 30 this year, and it's hitting me like a truck that I turned 30. I'm not young anymore. You're going to hit have that. It's going to hit you, and the Canucks are still going to have a buyout of OEL hitting on the cap. Then you add that, maybe with another buyout that might come down the road. You add that with JT Miller being 35, like – I don't know. It's just like you see these things that are going to be on this team for four, five, six years, and you're like, they they need a rebuild to give that thing a chance. I know you don't want to spend all this time on a rebuild and retool, yeah. but to me it really is because a retool could really hurt. Like retool is extremely risky in my eyes. Going for it is risky for sure.
0: Retooling might be riskier.
2: Yeah, but hang on
0: Okay, hang on a sec. Especially with this team 10 years okay, into it. Okay, 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 yeah. But you're getting caught up on the word again. Like, let's talk about what no, the No, I'm the, hearing the, word, the plan from. I'm hearing the plan. Okay, here's the thing. We keep talking about the quads plan, right? Which you've endorsed, right? I don't know the quads plan. You, everybody knows the quads plan. You, don't, we, you barely
2: know the
1: quads
0: plan. <laughs> we've talked about these moves of... Okay, you keep Quinn Hughes, you keep Elias Pedersen, and you flip everybody else that you can. You're probably going to have to keep JT Miller, okay? Let's add that to the quads plan because you're not giving up an asset to get out of that, okay? I've adopted that into the quads plan. Keeping okay. JT Miller is part of the plan now, okay? You buy out Oliver ekman Larson, which it sure sounds like they might do. Well, hopefully. We hope with the talk of buyouts. The retooling moves, if you are savvy about them, it's not all that different from a rebuild. Like, what, Like, I'm asking you, no, 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 I'm asking you now. Tell me the difference between this team rebuilding and this team retooling. Go ahead. Tell me. It's like four years. No, I'm not asking for a timeline. I want you to tell oh, that's, me what no, moves. I'm saying the ages of the players
2: that you're going for is probably four years difference. Okay. Instead so, of going for 23-year-olds, you're going for guys that are about to be drafted at 18.
0: Okay, so I personally... I think when you're looking at a retool, you can go out and get guys like Kirby Doc. We're still like, you know, what was he when they acquired him? Twenty, twenty one? Twenty, yeah. Yeah. Twenty-one, yeah, he's twenty one. Okay, I think you can go get these guys in a retool. Now, if you're trying to make trades across the board, it's not as easy. As I just said, you gotta go get the draft picks first. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there, Chris. But if this team is it wants to retool, and again, the whole idea of, okay, well, we need to keep Elias Patterson happy, like of course they're not gonna go scorched earth rebuild. Like And again, he said the three-year timeline, they can be competitive before that, okay? So he set that for himself now, okay? I don't know... He said quicker than that. Yeah, he said quicker than that. I don't know if the whole idea of what this team actually looks like rebuilding versus retooling is one, all that different, or two, if it's this this tire fire and it's going to be this detrimental to the future of the team idea, if that makes sense. like... I don't think a rebuild and a retool for this team look all that different because, hey, like if we're talking rebuild and you're talking about trading Quinn Hughes and you're talking about Elias Person, I'm not really on board with that.
2: You, no, it's the way to monetize in in a retool compared to a rebuild is vastly different. So I think this team. Top.
0: I think this team needs to make one or two, let's say two or three trades this trade deadline for draft picks. And then they can go ahead and shift themselves in the retooling mood, move, uh, shape or whatever. No, No, this is what, this is what the Habs did.
2: This is literally what the Habs did. The Habs have prospects coming. The Habs, the Habs. Okay. The Canucks have who
0: coming to the NHL? Uh, Niels Haaglander, Pod Colson, not in the NHL right now. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to get caught up on this with you. I'm not, I'm saying the Habs had one deadline, one trade deadline where they made disciplined rebuilding moves. Okay. Would you call what they're in a rebuild? Because we just said, you just said the Kirby Doc thing's a retooling move. That's not a rebuilding move. You're shifting to retooling. Well, there if he's is no he's 20 reason. years old, it's
2: different than a 24-year-old. There, That's what I'm saying with four-year difference.
0: Sure. Okay, and I agree with you there. I agree with you there. It's about who they target once they enter that retooling phase. I don't think this team's turning down the opportunity to go get a Kirby Doc and saying, oh, you know what? He's a little bit too young because we're in a retool. I don't think that team, this team is doing that. When they do, I will criticize them. For but sure. right now, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not going to sit here and cry for 45 minutes about, oh, they use the word retool and I can't believe it. This team, my opinion, needs to go out and have one deadline. One! All I want is one. One deadline with disciplined moves where they are trading for futures. They are not saying, you know what, we're going to trade Bo Horvat for a 24-year-old center and a 23-year-old right shot defenseman. Um, I'm not going to try and come up with an example right now, but where they say, okay, we're going to get a prospect or a young player that we like who's, you know, 21, 22. Filipito, there's an example, Okay. We're going to do Filippito in a first uh, for Bohorvat Horvat or whatever, right? A high first, it doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is they can have it both ways at this deadline if they are smart. Now, if they go ahead and re-up Andre Kuzmenko because they say, well, we think he's part of the retool here, I would have a problem with that. Okay? That's what I'm saying. If you
2: commit, like what you're saying is they need one deadline. If they need they, one deadline. They don't. Because if they do one deadline and then they completely flip back to let's get competitive... That's not going to work. Look at what the you talk about the Canadians. Are the Canadians rebuilding this season? Yes. Were they coming into this season with thoughts of the playoffs? Very much doubt it. They just went to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago.
0: Exactly. And then they had a disciplined deadline. A
2: disciplined deadline. A disciplined season to follow where the young players are being given opportunity. Hear the way PK Subban talked about playing for this team yep. and building a culture. It's not like they just went out and did kind of like what Ottawa did, where they brought in these veteran players who were going to help and and make this culture. They left it for a year. They're leaving it for this season to build the culture of these young guys. It's like what Rutherford said today.
0: Around Caulfield and Suzuki, two guys that they had on that cup run.
2: Yep, and it's like what Rutherford said today. Like, he doesn't think that this team, that this organization, the players on the ice are playing like a team. He says you don't see it consistently. The culture is a massive part of it. They're, they aren't playing like a team. They play like a team on occasion. They look, the so look, like, build, look good.
0: So build around Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes. Yeah, no, for sure. I, like, that. that's why I say, like, that's why I keep going back to it. And Corey Anderson uh, jumped in the chat here and said, I think the reason he's saying retool is because he knows you can build around EP40, Miller, Hughes, and Demko. Uh, those pieces will still be good enough with proper trades. And they'll still want to stick around. Like, I get that the retool hasn't worked for this team. And I understand that, you know, people have trust issues with this management and this ownership and the whole organization as a whole, because when the last time they said retool, they were like, you know what? We're going to get Emerson Edom. There's a name you didn't think you'd hear today. We're going to go, geez, I almost swore. Um, we're going to go get all these players that thought out, just didn't work out right. Like, like bad targets with the exception of Riley Stillman, who was traded largely for cap reasons and money reasons. Okay. This team, this management regime, all of their acquisitions have been pretty solid. Like if they had cap space and they had a blank blank slate to go out and build a team, I would say that I trust their judgment when it comes to identifying players. Ethan bear. He's going to be here for a while. Ethan bear came here. He was immediately the Canucks second best defenseman. Okay. Despite what Bruce Boudreau might say. Um, why am I blanking on the other one? Ilya Mikheyev. I know it probably in process wasn't the best time to sign Ilya Mikheyev, McCabe's a good player. He's worked out for the Canucks the way they hoped he would. Again, process, don't love it. Not, like, he's not making a difference, right? This team's still at the bottom of the standings, but he's one guy. He's one guy, and that's why Rutherford comes out and says stuff like, we need to build, we need to fix the guys around him, right? Around our core. That's what this team thinks they need. And again, I have no reason to believe that they can't identify the proper talent to bring in here.
2: I'm done. Okay. I think this is a conversation that'll continue. To it run. will.
0: I and again, I'm not saying I don't, don't want to rebuild.
2: report. I got all this. Yeah, good we'll stuff go
0: to Betway prospects. in a sec, but I don't even want to. I don't even want to get in. Like I still personally, like if I was at the helm, I would do a rebuild. But I'm not going to come here and cry about it for 30 minutes or 45 or long. We're going overtime here. I'm not going to come out here and cry about it and say. Oh, man, I can't believe they said the word retool again because I think that there's a chance here. With strong moves at the deadline, and again, we got to see what they do at the deadline, and then we'll criticize it as such when it happens. We're only like 40-something days away from that, right? With a strong deadline, this team can, for lack of a better term, be turned around in a hurry.
2: I don't know about that. I think that there's enough things that have happened in the organization that, to me are rotten that four trades isn't going to make this organization back on the right track. I
0: think there's enough damage. That's what you do after that too, right? Yep. You're right. It matters. And again, that's why I'm not, I'm not coming out here and saying they're doomed. I'm just saying, I don't love what was said today, but I'm also not freaking out about it and saying, this is unbelievable. I can't believe they would say this. Like I see where they're coming from and I just hope that they have that discipline deadline. Like I hope, like I said, I hope they trade Horvat and get a first round pick for him. I hope they don't extend them and say, well, we really like this core. Right. Yeah, I'm done. We're, we're way over time.
2: Okay. Uh, Betway, cool. Yeah, let's get the Betway in here. You know what? The, the conversation is going to roll into tomorrow. We'll have more time like this. We're pretty recent off of this taking away the big quotes. We're going to go back and obviously look at everything. I'll have to listen to the Jim Rutherford interview for the third time. I was there and then uh, had to listen to it back. Let's we'll do it again. We'll hear more of it, and we'll talk about a lot more of this tomorrow. Chat's been excellent today. Appreciate that, everybody in the chat here on YouTube, everybody on podcast listening to it. Let's get to the bet way. Bets of the day. Pull it up, Alex. Where is it, Alex? <laughs> he's going to cycle through. Well, we the he loves course. his ticker down there on the bottom, and he can't, he's mad about the prospect so report. so
0: overtime.
2: time. Yeah. yeah. He's mad. I The bet way bets of the day here. Um, Rocking with a couple of different ones. Maybe I didn't. He uh, never
0: sent me Betway.
2: way. Oh, uh, no.
0: <laughs> Alex jumping in. Oh, right. my gosh. Well, Alex, well, it's you in just, just say it. Just say it. You, you know, it doesn't matter.
2: Well, I don't even know what it is all the time here. I put it in there now, Alex. You can pull it up there. This is, this is a mess. We've been going long. Betway is now in there. Uh, Nobody got word of the day. I heard it. Yeah. No, I uh, we'll do word of the day real quick here. Missed it. Do you, uh, do you want to say what the word of the day is? The word of the day today was purloin.
0: Mm-hmm. Give us a definition while we wait for uh, Alex. Uh,
2: it was to appropriate wrongfully, uh, and what is was it? <laughs> or often by a breach of trust. I felt like I used it correctly today. All right,
0: folks. We'll be back oh, tomorrow. Uh, Betway, oh, let's there.
2: go. The bets. All right, Betway, let's get out of here. Uh, the either ors, I got that today. Nikita Kucherov or Matty Veneers to score a goal in tonight's game. Minus 175. Get that uh, $10 bet. We'll return you 1571 over there on Betway, Betway, Betway. Uh, then our second one, the big one, lightning to win over 6.5 total goals in the game and Kucherov to score a goal. So a couple bets, uh, going with Kucherov scoring tonight. So we're rocking with that over there on the old bet way
0: 19 bets. plus to play. If you choose to play, hey, play responsibly,
2: listen, like I said, this conversation, like Canucks don't play till what Wednesday, we yeah. have a whole show tomorrow to get into this. More. Be good tomorrow. I, can, I got all these clips that I wanted to get to. I got a big thing, but you know, I was on the phone with agents all morning too. I got stuff to talk about. I got none of it. I can't do it today.
0: Okay. late on the show. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, For my co-host, Chris Faber. It wasn't sirloin, Dominic. It was burloin. Come on now. For my co-host, Chris Faber, who's now muted, and our technical producer, Alex Allard. Uh, My name's Dave Quadrelli. Did we do Montana's? Yeah, we did at the top. You you weren't here, Alex. (laughs) Oh, I was on the (laughs) top. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Uh, for a technical producer, uh, as you just heard him there, folks, Alex Allard. My name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.
2: Montana's ribs.
0: How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?